Well, welcome to part two of this series we're calling Are You Serious? And just in case you uh, missed part one last weekend, uh, we said that summer's coming, supposedly. And uh, since summer's coming, you know, sometimes folks read a little more around the pool or on vacation or on their back porch. And so I recommended a book that I thought was a real good book for some summer reading. And I recommend this book for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons is because it's short. I, I like short books. It gives me a sense of accomplishment. Uh, and, it, and, and it's a book uh, of the Bible. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and in case you didn't know, the word Bible itself literally in the original language means books. So a collection of books. And, and so it's a book of the Bible called the book of James. And it's, it's short. It's only five chapters and you can read it in just a few minutes and then have read a book today and feel like you accomplished something. And, uh, and then on top of that, it's one of those parts of the Bible where there's not real hard to pronounce words in it, which is a score. And, and uh, but what do I like best about this? The reason I was recommending it is because it, it's, it's about as practical as it gets when it comes to uh, what it means to be a person who's serious about their spirituality, serious about their relationship with God. And by serious, I don't mean like, you know, um, oh, like all somber and no fun, but like the analogy of two people who are kind of like dating and really it's going really well and they're into each other and and they'd say, you know, people ask me, well, is it serious? And they'd say, oh, yeah, and it's a good thing. So this is, are you serious in a good way? And last weekend we talked about one aspect of being serious about your spirituality. And today we want to talk about another. And I kind of got a feeling in advance that what uh, the book of James has to say to us today is something that probably very few of us are exactly all that crazy about. So we got our work cut out for us. Um, and, I, and I think you'll, you'll see what I mean as soon as I show you the first verse from our text today from the book of James. And uh, I think right away you'll know what this is about. Look what it says. Um, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, it sounds simple enough. Don't just listen. Do what it says. But right off the bat, that's the part that I think that not too many of us are all that crazy about. For instance, uh, when I'm at the movies and they say, you know, please um, silence your uh, mobile devices and refrain from texting during the service. Excuse me, during the movie. Church on the brain. Sorry, Freudian slip. Um, whenever they, they tell me to not text during the movie, I text. You know, I like cover it like this, and I text because, you know, it's two hours. I got important stuff going on every two hours, right? And no, it's because I don't like being told what to do. Right? Anybody here really like being told what to do? 
I mean, and on planes, you know, that flight attendant comes on and says, you know, we're preparing for takeoff. Please uh, turn off power down, I think they say. Power down all electronic devices. Now, that I do do because if you don't do it, the flight attendant says you get arrested. So, so I will, but, but I'll wait. I'll wait till they come to my row to make sure that I've got my phone off. And, and a lot of times I'll just wait to make sure that they actually single me out and say, sir, please turn off your phone. Because I don't like to be told what to do. And uh, maybe that's because I'm the youngest of, of, of three kids and I have an older brother and an older sister and my motto growing up in my family was, with my siblings anyways, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> and so when we hear these words from James, and we hear it saying, don't just listen to the word, and the word there means the Bible, the word of God. When it, sa- when it says, don't, don't just listen to this, but do what it says, there, there might be something inside of us that doesn't like that very much, because we don't like to be told what to do, and Sir, (laughs) sir, pretend I'm a flight attendant. (laughs) I really, I wouldn't have even noticed if everybody around you wouldn't start laughing. For those of you who are listening online, it was a phone thing. It had to be here. Anyhow, I've completely forgotten where I was. Oh, yeah. Phones. That's where I was. I'm a little bit ahead of that. That's when yours started ringing. But uh, I'm a little bit ahead of that. So, so uh, what James is saying to us is that if we're going to be serious about this spirituality thing, that, that an aspect of it is not just hearing what the Bible says, but, but doing it. And we might chafe at that because maybe it kind of reminds us of some bad experiences we've had somewhere else with, you know, religious rules and, you know, and toe the line and do, do, do and don't, don't, don't and none of us really want that. But good news for us all this morning, I think it's great news, uh, when James says, don't just listen to what the Bible says, but do it. Uh, it's not about religious rules. Look what it says it's about. It says, do not merely hear the word and so deceive yourselves. It says it's about whether or not we are deceiving ourselves. Doing what the Bible says to do is about deceiving ourselves. And uh, what's that got to do with Doing what the Bible says. Good question. Thanks for asking. Uh, Look at the next verse. The next verse tells us why it says that if we don't do what the Bible says, we're deceiving ourselves. It says this. It says, anyone who listens to the word, meaning the Bible, but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face. And man there doesn't mean like male. It means just person. 
It's like a person who looks at, at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. Now think about that. Somebody looks in a mirror and then goes away and forgets what they look like. And it's like, what's that about? Is that like some kind of temporary amnesia or something? And again, another good question. But no, that's not what it's about. This is a, a part of James that, that even though it reads in pretty plain English, that it's in the original language, in the original language, excuse me, it's a figure of speech to say to look at yourself in the mirror and go away and forget what you look like. It's a figure of speech that I can relate to you um, by means of, of an analogy that will hopefully make some sense. Um, did you ever go to a party and be like eating chips and dip and then you go into the bathroom and you look in the mirror and you see you got something stuck in your teeth? You know, like a piece of spinach or something kind of, kind of right there. Now, I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, the first thing I do when I notice I got something stuck in my teeth is I, is I wonder how long it's been there. <laughs> I mean, are we talking minutes, hours, hopefully, not days? But then after wondering how long it's been there, I know what to do. I use the mirror. I look in the mirror, and I know it's gross, but I dig it out of there, right? Get out of there. Because that's what mirrors are for, right? For helping you see stuff that you can't see without them. I mean, is there anyone in this room who still has their natural teeth that can see their teeth without a mirror? (laughs) I'm saying no. But imagine, so to get this idea of what it means when it says... Don't be like somebody who looks at themselves in the mirror and then forgets what they saw. Think of it this way. Imagine that, that I was at a party and I went in the bathroom and looked in the mirror and I saw that I had some big chunk of something nasty and gross stuck in my teeth and uh, just left it there and went back to the party and just kept mingling with people. And as I'm mingling with people, what are people doing? Well, they're staring at my mouth because you can't help it. When someone's got something stuck in their teeth. But I just keep doing that. And then a friend of mine takes me aside and says, Dude, you got something stuck in your teeth. Because that's what friends are supposed to do, right? And then imagine I said to my friend, Oh, it's okay. I know it's there. I saw it in the mirror. I used the mirror. I am now aware that I have something stuck in my teeth. See, if I did that, and you were the one trying to help me as a friend, I'm pretty sure you'd think I was being an idiot or wondering if I really properly understood how to use a mirror. And that's what this is talking about when it says, don't be like somebody who looks in the mirror and then goes away like they forgot what they saw. It says, what it's saying is, is that the Bible is meant, to, is, is meant to be a gift from God that's like a mirror that can help us see things that we couldn't otherwise see because of our limited perspective as human beings. And it's meant to be a mirror that, that, that helps us see what needs to be different for our own sake, and do something about it. But if I see what needs to be different for my own sake and don't, and, and don't 
listen to it, don't do something about it. That's what it means by and goes away and forgets what he looks like. Mean It literally means goes away and did nothing about what you had stuck in your teeth. There is a point, I promise. See, the book of James is trying to help us understand that if we're serious about the whole God thing, we'll have a a particular view of the Bible. And the Bible does a lot of things, but one of the things it is, is it's a mirror. As I've said, help us see what we couldn't see without it. And if I hear what the Bible says that I need to do and don't do it, it's not about religious rules. It's not about being told what to do. If I... If I see what needs to be done and, and, and don't do it, then I'm deceiving myself that I'm serious about my spirituality. And please do not think, as I talk about this stuff of doing what God tells us to do today, that uh, this is about religious rules and God being someone who's just trying to get you to fall in line and knuckle under to what He says. And uh, here's what I mean by that. Isn't it true that nine times out of ten, it's only somebody who's a friend that'll tell you if you got something stuck in your teeth? And most of the time, strangers won't tell you or people don't know you. They'll just, they'll just stare at it because they can't help it. But, it. but a friend, you know, it's, it's a real... Because honestly, when somebody says, Tim, you got something stuck in your teeth, I know that person's watching out for me. And... and And that's probably the strangest analogy you've ever heard for God. God is someone who cares enough about you to tell you when you got something stuck in your teeth. But I believe it's on spot and uh, on point. And I think I can support that too by what James says next in verse 25. But the man, again, meaning person... But the person who looks intently into the perfect... And then it calls the Bible the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. I think that part right there proves who God is when he's trying to say, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. He's saying, I'm your friend. And I'm trying to help you get something out of your teeth because I care about you and it's only a friend many times who will do that. But notice something really fascinating here, folks. It changes the analogy from the Bible as a mirror to the Bible as what it calls the law that, that gives freedom. And if you think about that, that's real contradictory because that's not how we think about laws, Right? I mean, we think of laws as stuff that controls you and, 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 and boxes you in, you know, and, and, and makes you act a certain way. And, you know, and we all will say that, yeah, any civil society needs laws to protect, you know, folks from other folks. But I don't think any of us would ever put the, the words law and freedom together. But notice it doesn't say laws. It says law of freedom. And there's a a reason here that law is in the singular instead of the plural. It's not talking about the Bible is a bunch of rules. 
It's saying that the Bible is, is, is law in the singular sense. And when law is spoken of in the singular sense, it means the reliable reality of the way things work and the way things really are. Law in the singular sense does not mean rules. It means the reliable reality of the way things work and the, things that, and the way things are. For instance, think of probably the most famous law that there is. I bet you can guess just by completing the sentence. The law of... Somebody said it, yeah. Gravity. The law of gravity. Nothing with the law of gravity. The law of gravity is not a rule. I mean, was there anybody when you were growing up that your mom or your dad said, now, honey, when you go out today, make sure and follow the law of gravity. <laughs> it's not a rule. It's the way things are, and you've got to deal with it, or things aren't going to go so good. And it's the way things are, and it affects so many things from whether or not you can stand up straight to ride a bicycle or build a, a skyscraper. And see, what, what it's saying, what the Bible is saying, what James is saying, when it calls the Bible the, the, the law that gives freedom, it's saying that God's not trying to hold you down. God's trying to help you understand, help me understand the way the world actually works. So, good stuff happens instead of bad stuff happens. And that's what it means by freedom. Because if you think about it, I, I really believe that what God says to us in the Bible about everything from how to handle our finances to how to care for the poor to how we care for our bodies to how we treat those who mistreat us, it's not about holding us down. It's about freeing us up from stuff. There, there, there's a famous verse in another part of the Bible that says this. It's 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there's that word freedom again. And that's another way of saying that God's goal in my life is not to, to hold me down or spoil my fun, but to set me free from stuff that will otherwise hold me captive. I'm a counselor, and I talk to a lot of people who are struggling with a lot of different things. And whether folks are struggling with outbursts of temper, or struggling with addiction, or really unhealthy relational patterns, they'll often say things like, you know, I, I, I just can't help it. I just can't stop it. And it's like, they're being held captive and under the control of whatever it is. And, and, and really, I don't know if you believe this about God, but I really believe God loves you. And he doesn't want you or me, he doesn't want any of us held captive by anything that will hold us down. But notice that James doesn't just say that this is the law that brings freedom. It also says that it's a law that brings blessing. It says the person who does what the Bible says will be blessed in what he does. And literally, in the original language, it, 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 the implication, they'll be blessed in all that he does. 
And I don't know about you, but being blessed in all that I do sounds pretty good to me. Quick show of hands. Anybody in the room today who is just far too blessed right now? Is there anybody who is so blessed that, you know, if you have just one more piece of blessedness come your way, that would just be not good? My guess is not. But let's be really clear about what God is meaning and saying when he says that doing what he says will lead to blessedness. He doesn't mean life's going to be always smooth or hunky-dory or copacetic or whatever the word that you like. He's not saying that do what I say and life will become, you know, happy fun ball all the time. What he's saying is that as I, as I more and more do what he calls me to do, my life is going to start to come together. In ways that it, in ways that are fulfilling and meaningful, that I, that it couldn't otherwise come together, if I didn't have him coaching me and working with me, if I didn't let him be the boss of me. Because see, when he wants to be the boss of me, he wants to set me free, and he wants to bless me, and he wants to bless you too. And because we got some baptisms today, I, I, I promised I'd speak a lot shorter than usual, which is really hard for me. I have my own 12-step movement. You might have heard of it. It's called On and On and On. So to wrap this up today, uh, no interesting story or fascinating illustration or anything like that to wrap it up. I just want to say that God says, look into my word like it's a mirror and like it's a reliable description of the way things are. And God's saying, I'm not out to dominate you or make you more religious, but to get you to not be held captive and live a life that's coming together more and more over time, despite how hard life can be and how much life doesn't make sense at times into something that's meaningful and fulfilling and there's flourishing. And James says, uh, good news, if you want to be serious about your relationship with God, God is serious about helping you find freedom and blessing. Some folks are getting baptized this morning and just in case anybody hadn't told you before, baptism is not just ritual or ceremony or just a church thing to do. It's hearing what God says and doing it. Acts 2.38 puts it this way, and I quote, Each one of you must turn away from your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven and you will receive God's gift, the Holy Spirit. That's what God says to every single human being, in my opinion. And Jesus says to us as a community of folks who are gathered in his name one way or another. He says this in Matthew 28. He says, Go then to all peoples everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I command you. Teach them to do what I say. And so with 
both this message and baptisms today and everything we're doing here today, we're trying to look into God's Word as a church and as you know, a community of individuals and at least in part simply do what He says because we don't want to deceive ourselves. We want to be freed up and we want to experience life that fits together in meaningful, fulfilling and blessed ways through the love and help of somebody who uh, loves us more than we could ever know. Let's pray. God help us. We all got stuff where we just say, oh, I'll pass on that commandment. Thank you very much. Help us to realize who you are, Lord, and that when you want to be the boss of us, what you've got in store for us is freedom and blessing and goodness and meaning and flourishing. Help us in Jesus' name.